Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Brother John. How are you, sir? Feeling good. Doing fine. All right. Better to better to feel good than to do good. Yeah. That's a, ta- that's a takeoff on Fernando Lamas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So, yeah. Hey, uh, what day is it? Is this is this a show day? It's a show day, Saturday, all day. Oh, okay. okay. We don't have all day to do the show. All right, okay, 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 okay. So that uh, means we need to do it now. Okay, we're the bros. This is the bro show. My name's Jerry. And my name is John. We are brothers, actual biological brothers. You know, they say, hey, say, uh, bros from the, what do they say? Uh, what is it? Two moms from the, I, you know, I get mixed up about that thing about brothers who aren't really We're mixed brothers. up that we do. We already know that. That's pretty self-evident. Okay, we're brothers from the same mother. Okay. We're not brothers from different mothers. We have the same mother and the same father, coincidentally. And we talk about four things every Saturday morning at 730. And here are those four things. One is we talk about an animal. And this is the season of the whale. Every six months we have a season. And so, therefore, we have a whale story today. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing is a word. Word. That's it. A word that we ran into while we did research. I just put research in air quotes. Okay. And then after the word, we do two takes on a topic. It's a topic Mm. that we may or may not disagree on. But one thing for sure, we have two different worldviews because we are in two different worlds. We live in two different worlds. We do. Two different worlds. And the last but not least, we have two groaners. These are dad jokes, bad jokes, whatever you want to call them. In the form of questions, John asked me a question. I have to come up with the answer. The pressure is incredible. I don't know how I deal with it every week. This week, I think I'm cracking up a little bit, but I'll make it through the show. You're right. That's you it. will do That's it. it. You're fully capable. That's the intro. Okay. Anything okay. else? Think that I should, should I, I, you know, what, what, do you right, have anything on, show. like you have clothes, like particularly uh, above the belt? Now we're getting personal. Yeah, yeah, I do, actually. I sure. do. Yeah, Season of the Ox. I, I, you know, it's season a T-shirt. Season of the Ox. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful animal. Solid. It's a beautiful animal. That was a solid, that, beautiful That was a solid season. Show. Those were the days. Yeah. Oh, it was a whole season. That's right. Sorry. What are you wearing? I'm wearing Season of the Lizard with that horn oh, lizard stuck, yeah. strutting oh, across the shirt, proud, yeah, yeah. very photogenic. Yes, yes. So that was a good yeah. season also. That was yeah. a good season. Every season's been good. Seasons yeah. have been good to us, not in terms yes. of our age and health, but at least in terms of the show. All good. Yeah, all good. Hey, so, uh, you know, there is a sponsor for this. We got this show. a sponsor. Ooh, let's hear it. We have a sponsor. We've got oh. a sponsor. Our sponsor is Saved by the Whales, and Saved Wait by the Whales. Saved by the Whales. Saved by the Whales. Saved the Whales. Saved the Whales. Nonprofit organization organized in 1977 by a wonderful woman by the name of Maris Siddenstecker. Uh, 
Maris uh, decided that there was a need for us to learn a little bit about whales so that they could continue their existence. And back then, she uh, started her organization, have it funded by something near and dear to our hearts, T-shirts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but what she does, is their, their, their purpose is to primarily educate uh, kids about the importance of whales <laughs> in the world and also mm. to uh, when the need arises to be able to fund special projects. They're located yes, they in SoCal, kind of do most of their work in California, and yep. uh, they've got a very nice T-shirt still. So Yes, they fact, do. I think you actually are the I, proud possessor. I have, I have one. I have one. You know, they're West Coast-based. Uh, you know, not many people know, but, you know, they had a hit song called California Whales. And it sounded really? remarkably, yeah, it sounded a lot like California Girls. Uh, in fact, ah. the, lyrics, the lyrics were almost identical, except they substituted whales for girls. It's good yeah. to know. And it was not a success. <laughs> it was not a success. But their T-shirts are incredible. I've got one. They actually do have a great mission. And they're not a joke group. They're a real joke, a real group. And uh, I I love this organization. Go to their site. You can donate. You can get your own T-shirt, and you'll be glad you did. They've been a great sponsor. And what's interesting about this whale story, it's about a movie called Jaws. Now, you're saying, wait a yeah. minute. Are we going to be yeah. talking about a whale, or are we going to be talking about a fish? Jaws. Come on. Make up your mind. Yeah. Ellen, we've got a whale of a story to tell about Jaws, is what it boils yes, down to. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And what happens is that uh, back in 1974, a novel uh, was written by a author by the name of Peter Benchley, Pete, to his close friends. And yes. Pete, uh, the, the the novel was uh, wait, 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 you up. called him you called you called him Pete. Are you his best friend? One of his friends? He, I, I became very quickly this week became a close friend. Oh, okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. He doesn't know about it yet, but after listening to the show, he will know. <laughs> I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. So I'm quite confident. Pete uh, wrote this novel, and at the same time, the uh, that two people got a hold of this novel before it was published. One of them was a uh, producer, a movie producer by the name of Richard Zanuck, uh, son of 20th Century Fox movie mogul Daryl Zanuck, and mm. a wonderkin. Um, young director, 26-year-old Steven Spielberg, both got a I, hold of the galleys of this this book before it was released. And college decided, dropout, mm, by the way. College dropout. Spielberg was a college dropout at the time. Oh, I didn't know about that, but I, I yeah, still consider I'm him sorry. to be a pretty... He's, a, he's an okay guy. He's so, an okay guy. Uh, Steven Spielberg read it and said, I think this could make a great movie. Richard Zanuck Movie producer says, I think I'm going to get the rights to this, and it's going to make a good movie. Unfortunately, that's kind of where it ended. It, it starts, and they don't, don't get together because Richard Zanuck has in his mind another movie director. At this point, Steven Spielberg had uh, directed two movies, one by the name of uh, Sugarland Express and the other called Duel, which is actually a movie – from which I think he gets a lot of uh, you know, the background by doing that movie. It had to do about – it was a movie kind of like Christine, except rather than four wheels, it was about a six-wheeler. Mm. And so it, it it was a really good movie. But uh, Richard Zanuck had another director in mind by the name of Dick Richards. 
So yeah. what they decided to do is, since Zanuck has got the, uh, uh, the the movie rights, they decided to do some pre-production and brought together Pete Benchley, who was also going to be on the screenwriting team, uh, Dick Richards, the, the director, and a couple of the producers got together to do some pre-production meetings. During these meetings, I don't know if Dick Richards, the director, thought it was funny, but he kept telling, they kept asking, what's your vision? What's your vision? And every time he gave his vision, he referred to the shark as a whale. <laughs> and every time he did it, eventually said, it's a, it's a shark. It is not a whale. Sure enough, during the middle, he kept doing it, kept doing it. Yeah, and finally, yeah. Pete Benchley just walked out in a huff and says, I can't put up with this anymore, and just walked away. Well, yeah. after the meeting was over with, they realized, Zanuck realized, we had to get a new director. Yeah. So, um, doggone Steven Spielberg had been kind of waiting outside his door every other day, yep. meeting with him to get this opportunity. So, sure enough, he looks at him and says, okay, kid, it's your shot. Go for it. So uh, Spielberg gets it, and what's really cool about it is that once he gets it, he says, now what do I do with it? And he realizes he, he's got his own vision, and in that vision is a, is a, is a shark that is going to be play prominent in it, and particularly with the, the, the battles they have towards the end of the novel where they are, they're out on the sea, and he needs to have a mechanical uh, shark yeah. that's going to be able to yeah, do a stick that was needed. Yep. But unfortunately, that mechanical shark, they tried to make one, and it didn't work that well. And what happened out of desperation, Spielberg resulted in calling upon the music written by John Williams, which has become, if you, you can't think about the movie without thinking of the thunderous dun, uh, dun, background music dun, that dun, plays every dun, time dun, the, dun, the jaw is in, in, within you know 20 feet. Well, and Tiffany. sure enough... He, he relies upon Spielberg relies upon the or the movie goer's imagination to imagine the 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 the, uh, the shark rather sure, than actually yeah. seeing a mechanical one, and it's a summer blast. It's a hit, and and the that's it. The rest is history. The rest is history. So, yeah. So what we have here is we have a situation where clearly it's important for you to know the difference between a shark and a whale. And in the case if you of want a job. Spielberg, if you want a he job. wouldn't be what he is today if it wasn't for knowing that difference and be able to take advantage of the person of ignorance, Dick Richards, who did not know the difference. So, so know the difference. The that's the key thing about this story. Know the difference, because you may need to know the difference at some point. Exactly. And that's the reason yeah. you need to listen to this show so that you can, after know the, difference. the 25 shows we've done on whales, it's hopefully you do know the difference. I actually took a test before this show just to make sure I knew the difference. Hey, are you ready for a word? A word. Ready for a word. Our word is a, uh, it's a sports term uh, used to, to describe competition. It's called match play. Match play That's is right. a word you hear quite often. Mostly it's connected with the sport of golf. However, it can be also connected with the sport of tennis. And we're going to learn later on that it can be actually connected with the sport of baseball. It's so not what baseball. is match play? It's not baseball. It's not called baseball. It's called something else. We'll talk about it. Oh, well, that, that's a tease. Well, we'll get around to that that's later. A tease. That's mind. a tease. That's okay. So Go what ahead. is match play? Match play is where the result in the sport which the winner is determined by counting the holes in golf or maybe the innings in baseball, which are one, rather than tallying up the number of strokes or runs. 
So the, the fact is that each hole, each inning, if playing this way, is a the results in a winner. So there's some excitement, there's drama. In addition to the fact if you have a bad inning or a bad hole, it doesn't work Forget against you because it. you can always tee it up on the next hole and play. Yep, yep. So the example I've got of match play is that the PGA Tour uh, touts this, although they only play one tournament a year with match play. Match oh. play can be put people in a relaxed position. You can see it, you can freewheel it a little bit, which can make it a bit more fun, be more adventurous. One bad hole isn't going to you know, mess up your whole day or cost you the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, if we caddied and we learned a lot about match play because when you play yeah. as amateurs and you get out there on a Sunday at a country club and you got to force them, typically what you do is, or maybe even two, you play uh, what's called match play, one against each other or two against uh, doubles, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's a cool way of doing it. The uh, so that's really uh, it, it makes it more interesting because at, it, 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 but on the other side of it there's only one tournament now that is played with match play on the PGA Tour. What Up is that? Until 1950, that that's called the uh, the it's called the FedEx Express. It they bring together oh. 64 golfers. It's got to kind of have a nice number to it. 64 to that 32 nice to number. 32 to 16 to 8 4 to 1 blast off. And you got a wow. winner. Uh, but back uh, up through 1957, one of the one of the uh, the, the special tournaments, the, the Masters, U.S. Open, and all that, one of the the big ones, uh, the PGA Tour was played with with that. And what's cool about it when you play it, you talk about torturous. When you play in a in, in on the PGA Tour and play a match play tournament, the winner, the number one versus two, when it's finally down to it. Plays six thirty-six holes, not eighteen. Pretty cool. Huh? So yeah. it's a little test of endurance too. Hey, okay, uh, but now the opposite of match play is metal play. Is that right? Metal. M-E- that's what we call it. Me- not heavy so, metal, but M E D A L. Right. Exactly. This is pertinent. This is pertinent. It'll come in later. It's pertinent because when yeah. we get to our two takes, it's going to be important that we understand mm-hmm. the difference mm-hmm. between tiling up runs versus tallying up the winners of, of various innings. See, so, the thing um, I like about it, if you had a short, if you had a short term memory problem, you'd probably pretty, be pretty good at this. Yeah. Is that, you is that erase, right? That's exactly yeah. right. Erase the, the results of the, the last, uh, the last hole. Um, the, the thing is though, that it does place, uh, uh, you, know, you know, when you think about it, 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 it places a fair amount of pressure. That means that every hole, you are thinking win, win, win with an end result. So for the players themselves, it's interesting for the spectators, but for the players, I can imagine if you had a whole tour based upon match play, I think you'd have a lot of beat up participants, pros, that's for sure. Oh, well, but it's all good. It is all good. That's the main thing, you know, and we're going to, yeah, we're going to be talking about fun. Now that is the word match play. It's technically two words. But it's important to understand match play to understand the influence it might have on a sport that otherwise does not play in matches like this. What do you think that sport would be, John? I think that that sport would be banana ball. Now, banana Banana ball. ball. Banana ball. And I think what we have to do is talk a little bit about the, the founder, the inventor of banana ball, a fellow by the name of Jesse Cole. Jesse 
was a typical kid, little league player that would aspire to be a major leaguer, went through the, the ranks of little league, et cetera, up through to college, went to Wolford College and was a star pitcher there. Unfortunately, as a senior, he suffered arm ailments and had to look for other ways in order to satisfy his dream of making it yeah. in baseball. He created an organization called Fans First Entertainment Group, organized a club called the Savannah Bananas in 2016. Bananas. It latched on, and within their first year in that, in that league, they became the executives of the year. And how did they do this? By bringing an element of entertainment to the fans that the fans had never seen before. Uh, what they did is they basically said, this is for the fans. We are going to be constantly moving. So they had uh, a lot of dancing, a lot of activity. They had special cheerleaders. They did all the other the things that you would typically see, but just put the element of movement, a lot of excitement to it. And then also was were able to bring a little bit of that entertainment onto the field, primarily with a, uh, a first base coach who specialized in choreography, who was constantly doing uh, dances, and they were able to recruit baseball players that were open-minded and were willing to put a piece of entertainment onto, their, onto the field. Now, what's amazing about this, this is a competitive league that worked strictly by the rules that we know for baseball. With this new, very relaxed entertainment form of comp way of addressing the game, they were able to win the Coastal Plain League Championship two years, uh, most recently in 2021. However, Jesse and his wife felt there was a need to bring even more, to take some of these rather stringent, uh, time-consuming elements of baseball and remove them. Get rid of them. And, get rid of them. And get rid of them and create a new form of, of baseball called banana ball. Banana ball now, was born. Yeah. And so what they did is they came up with banana ball, and this happened around the same time that they bought the club. And this required them to come up with a new set, uh, a new team, a premier team that just played this and was more of an exhibition. And yeah. they kept most of the rules, with, but however, certain rules that they felt were a detriment to the game, made it boring, they took out of it, and they then made these players be able to be even more entertainment-oriented, inter interacting with, with the fans, uh, for example, between innings, etc. But what are some of the rules that they were able to get rid of that then sp would speed the game along? Maybe perhaps you could uh, give us a few of those and let, let, what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, the rules. The rules. These rules. Some of those rules. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of every broadcast, by the way, they have an announcer, a pretty good uh, guy who calls the game. And John and I watched a, an hour and 54-minute game, or was it two hours? I don't know how long it was, but it was it was really good. I had a lot of fun with this. I don't know if you did, John, but uh, I enjoyed myself watching this thing. And this game, uh, it's one in a million, I'll tell you what. So what happened was this guy gets on screen, and he starts announcing a game. He's a young guy. looked like maybe college grad or barely out of college. And he had ten rules. It's called banana ball rules. And at the beginning of every show that he does, in the pregame show, he goes through these rules. All right? So the first thing, the first rule is, and you've alluded to this, every inning counts. 
That means yes. you start over. Every inning is essentially a game. You win or lose an inning. That's how the game is played. So you can have you can get wiped out ten to one in an inning. The other team only scores one point. That's it. So each inning is a point, win or lose, or tie. Right. Yep. So at the end of the at, at the end of the game, you don't say like I won five runs to two runs. You say I won five innings to two innings. It's not based That's upon right. the amount of runs. That's it's right. based upon the number of innings you win. Or you can have no score in an inning, and it's right. like a tie. You both got zero. Exactly. All right. So now there's a two-hour time limit. If you are on the field, pitching, feeling whatever, and it's one hour and 50 minutes is the time, you yes. are going to be the last team to take the field. Right. That's it. So there's a strict time limit. Second thing, no stepping out of the batter's box. Right. If you're a batter and you step out of the box, a strike is called against you. A strike. Yeah. Right. Now, if you're a switch hitter and you want to switch in the middle of an at-bat, you can do it. You have to jump over home plate in order to do it. <laughs> so there has to be entertainment value if you're going to do that. And then you jump, you better land in the other batter box, batter's box. And you better not fall out of it either. Yeah, it's and more, if, okay. In fact, if you get hit by a ball, yeah, and you end up falling out of the batter's box, it's a strike. It's, a strike. it's not a hit by it's a strike. No, it's not it's a hit it's by a strike. And also, no, no bunting. No bunting. No bunting. Oh, listen, don't even not think at all. of it. Don't. And here's a good one for you. Batters can steal first base. Let's say yes. wild pitch. Wild pitch. Ball goes. Batter takes off for first base. That's it. You got it. Yeah, all these things are built to streamline uh, the game. And here's another. Here's my favorite. This is, this is probably your favorite, too, I think. It no is. walks. There's no walks allowed. What does well, that mean? What happens is you, if you do throw four balls, you are then awarded the opportunity to go to first base, but you're not going to walk is. to first base. You are going no, to run, run because you see yeah. you can go as far as you want until every player on the field, then the pitcher and the, the catcher, has to basically catch, touch the ball. Once they do that, they then can tag the runner if he decides to go to uh, you know the next base. Typically, yeah. with this kind of of, of uh, base on balls walk, you will have a runner on second rather than first. If That's you right. have a speedy runner and maybe the other team is not too good at uh, throwing the ball around, he could usually he could land on third. This is a very important offensive weapon. There's yeah. a couple things that's really good about it. Pitchers, as a result of it being such a, a strong offensive weapon, pitchers really work hard not to walk a batter. And guess that's what? Right. If you're not going to walk a batter, that means the batter is going to either strike out or get hit, get, get a hit, and that's going to keep the game going. Yeah, it this is. This has a lot of built into it to keep the game moving. Um, so, yeah, these are uh, that, that's my favorite by far, the base on balls. Okay. It's really – yeah. Number number seven is one-on-one showdown tiebreakers. And they mean one-on-one, there's a pitcher, there's a catcher, and there's a batter. And that's it. That's how they handle yeah. a showdown. And that's interesting also. We didn't get to see one of those. No, number eight. The dark, the dark game is over with. 
with within yeah, the yeah. confines of the regular regular hour fifteen minutes yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Number eight. No mound visits. You know how they they come out yeah. and, and you know talk about buying anniversary gifts for their spouses and stuff on the mound. That's oh, not yeah. allowed because that, that that burns up time. That's not going to happen. And here is my favorite audience participation rule. If a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. Yes. Now, this is not something that happens very often. I think probably in the history of banana ball, it's happened probably less than 10 times. You might see it about once every year. But it's cool. You see that. You're lucky. That's luck. See, one of the things that works against it is you've got the screens now. That uh, that so you have to loft that ball pretty high to get it over the screen in order to give that fan a chance. But yeah, uh, yeah that's a pretty cool one. I, I totally agree. But that fan participation thing is very important because this means that between innings, the players quite often will have a little routines and they kind of prance and dance through the stands, high fiving and doing a variety of. In other words, all that entertainment you see being done. Now, in regular baseball, minor league ball games between innings that doesn't involve players, just think of it with a new element. The players are involved. That makes the difference. It's um, a huge difference. You know, the the thing is, if you watch this this video of it on YouTube, it's not that exciting, really. Honestly, you have to kind of be there, but you do see it. Thing. It is. Yes. You see it in the faces of the players in the audience. They are all having a fantastic time. And they're all involved. No one's sitting on their ass. They're all up, screaming, yelling, dancing, singing. It never stops. The players are taking their shirts off. They're acting like maniacs. They're doing all kinds of stuff. This is a form of baseball that is, okay, I got an analogy, John. You know, regular rock and roll music is to punk music as regular baseball is to banana ball. This is played in usually in May. Uh, the test of, of, of attendance has worked in the favor of not only the the Coastal League where, where uh, Jesse and his wife are taking place. They've had sellouts for the last four or five years, and they continue to help have sellouts of banana ball, which can go beyond uh, Savannah. They take it on tour in the southeast area. So uh, watch yeah. for the next time it comes, probably in 2023, will be the next season for banana ball. Okay? Yep. That's it. Hey, time for groaners. Hey, we got two groaners. Our groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauter Jr., commonly referred to as the coach. The coach. And he is delivered as usual. Here's your first groaner. What kind of music are balloons afraid of? What kind of music are balloons afraid of? Pop music. You got it. Give that guy a cutie yeah. doll. You're on a roll. I'm on a roll. This, one. this is one that I, I had to work a little bit on, but I've got a, a, a thumbs up from the coach. What Aging rock group must stretch prior to performing. What aging rock group must stretch prior to performing? Well, I don't know the answer to this. I was going to guess the Stones. I kept thinking about the Stones because if you have, you know, like golf stones. But not the Stones. It's another aging group. I don't know. Sorry about that. Oh, well, you're ready for the answer? I am. Kinks. The kinks. Got to stretch. Beautiful. Get the beautiful. kinks out. Get the kinks out. Oh, oh we well, you're going to remember that one. You're right, I am. Okay. I'm not going to get fooled again. 